Well, you can take your Bibles tonight, open the book of Genesis, chapter number 15. Genesis chapter 15, while you're doing that, I want to say thank you so much for uh, uh, the privilege, and I, I mean that, the privilege to be here, and thank you, Pastor Brooks, for the opportunity. I do not take it lightly, and uh, to fill another man's pulpit, I have thoroughly enjoyed myself, really enjoyed uh, the fellowship with the pastor and his family today, and uh, thank God for Christian uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and uh, just sitting at the table with Sister Brooks, I got five message thoughts, so that was always a blessing, and uh, so thank God for that, and uh, amen. Well, I wrote it all down, and the Lord gave it to me. <clears throat> That's the way most husbands, preacher, pastors do with their wives, ain't it? And, uh, but I do, we do covet your prayers. I said this morning, I uh, am vice president and international outreach director for Operation Go International. When I stepped down from pastoring, uh, that did not immediately come about. I didn't know what the Lord was going to have us do. Brother Wood, I worked with him as a pastor and had gone to New Zealand with him and held conferences with him, and, and uh, he had asked me to help him out in some areas as a pastor, and we were a big missions church. And uh, the last year, full year, not counting 2019, we gave over $260,000 to missions, and we were not a huge church. Didn't have any rich people in our church, but we just believed in God would take care of us if we took care of others, and he did, and I'm, I'm thrilled with that. And, uh, but as I prayed, and uh, Brother Wood approached me and said, would you pray about coming to work with me and taking over? I said, well, I'll work with you, but I ain't got no peace about taking over. And, uh, but the Lord had other plans, and so you pray for us, Lord will, in January. Brother Wood is 81 years old and uh, turned 81 in May, still got more energy, strength, pep, and zest than most 40-year-olds that I know. Rides his bike many mornings, 17 miles, and works out an hour every day, and, and uh, just phenomenal. He's got a lot of energy, stamina, and uh, one of the greatest men of God that I've ever met in my life, and I love him, and I'm thankful I've been privileged to uh, work with him, and then the prospect of taking over this ministry has been daunting, and Lord willing, in January, we'll make that transition. We'll be announcing that publicly for our donors and partners and everything in August at a big gathering we're having and uh, then in January, Lord willing, the executive board will be voting me in. And uh, Brother Wood will still do whatever he wants to do as long as he's alive and able. And, uh, but for we want to do it while he is able and uh, everyone sees it's not a have to, but just the will of God. So if you would pray for us. And then as I said this morning, I, I did not raise support. I've got to raise support. And at some point, I'm supposed to do deputation. I don't know how that's going to work because I've got so many foreign trips and preaching engagements. And just pray the Lord to lay it on church's hearts. He, he has done that. We've gotten some support that way. And just pray the Lord will do that. And uh, uh, I'm taking a lot of foreign trips. My wife and I, I mentioned uh, just here this summer, we'll be in El Salvador at a big conference. You say, what do you do? We'll be there Right now, I know of uh, around 250 pastors, national pastors from all over El Salvador and the area, surrounding area there that will be coming. We'll be training, preaching, encouraging, giving leadership training, giving all the materials free. They'll get thousands of dollars worth of materials free. Many of these guys pastor little places with very little money. Average income there is about $200 a month. And uh, so you just pray the Lord to help us. And then I'll be going to the Dominican Republic, and there'll be three conferences held. There'll be one there in Santa Dominga, a young man that I trained as a pastor and, and uh, worked in his life as a missionary there, and he works with an older gentleman, and we'll be doing a conference there. And then two more conferences will be held in different parts of the mountains of uh, the Dominican. And uh, so pray that the Lord will provide those needs. I, I had to buy the plane tickets this last week, as long, along with fuel, plane fuels going up, airfares are skyrocketing. And I had to go by faith and uh, purchase those tickets because I'm responsible to pay for them. And that was about $2,561 for those tickets. If you would pray, the Lord would send that in. And uh, in the next few weeks so I can pay that, I would appreciate that. But everything we've done, we've just had to do by faith and trust the Lord. And He has took care of us. I have no complaints. And um, uh, several of you have asked, what are we going to do the rest of the week? I told you what we did Saturday. And after filling that vehicle up tonight before church... Um, we're going to sit at the hotel. If someone has a pair of binoculars, if you'll give them to me, we're just going to point him to Mount Rushmore and say, there it is. We're going to point him to the Black Hills and say, there they are, and uh, stay within about a five-mile radius is my goal the rest of the week. And then the pastor wanted to get in a race and was racing, revving that little old 
uh, puddle, I don't know what you call the thing, but go-kart or whatever it was, and uh, wanted me to rev, I, I'm borrowing the pastor's wife's vehicle, that expedition, I ain't hitting that gas for nothing. I take off like a turtle, amen, and try to get as much gas mileage as I can, so, uh, and I say that jokingly, thank you so much again for your kindness, and I just have enjoyed myself immensely. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. I've never got to be in South Dakota, much less preach. I hope it's not the last time. I'm going to tell you how I was as a pastor. Can I get, let you all in on something? I believe in following the Holy Ghost. We all know that. Now I will tell you, the longer you're married as a pastor, your, your wife's voice and the Holy Ghost voice sound an awful lot alike. It's just the truth. I've been married long enough that uh, that's just the way it goes in life. And... and uh, uh, Lord, and, and, and she says yes, and anyway, um, and I'm teasing, I'm, I'm, being, I'm really teasing, she calls me Lord all the time, she's a very biblical wife, I'll do something, say something, Lord, Brian, I, I get called Lord regularly, but um, uh, I don't even know where I was going now, I've so lost my train of thought, I'm glad we can have fun as God's people, amen, if church was all dry and no smiles, I'd get worried. And, uh, but where was I going with that? Oh, pastor, thank you. As a pastor, not only did I depend on my wife, but if a preacher come in that I'd never had before, I don't know how Brother Brooks does, but as a pastor, I counted on the feedback because here's the way I, I enjoyed guys my church didn't get or didn't like. I, I had a few guys in over the years pastoring that, man, I thought they was the greatest thing since sliced bread, and my church was like, man, eh, eh preacher what were you thinking and and it didn't matter how much I liked him if if a man don't connect with your church and with your sheep and your people then he can't be of any help so uh, I hope I have been a help if so make sure you let him know several of you have said I hope you come back that's not up to me I don't get to invite myself and schedule a meeting for next year all right so uh, make sure you tell the pastor and if you don't like me don't say a word just pray God change your desire all right all right, Genesis chapter number 15. I'm going to read, the, to read down to about starting verse 1. We'll read down several verses. Very interesting chapter in the Word of God. One that I want to bring a truth from tonight and hopefully be a help to us. Genesis chapter 15, verse number 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And what he's meaning is one of his servants is going to be the heir of everything he's got. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. He brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and it counted to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces." In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Father, I love you tonight. I want to thank you for the privilege I have to be in your house and once again to preach the word of God. 
Help me tonight, Lord. Use me in spite of me. God, I don't know this church and they don't know me, but we all know you and we all have the same book and you want to help all of us. So do that tonight. Thank you for the privilege I've had to be here and just for the wonderful opportunity. May the word of God speak to us and challenge us tonight is my prayer. Give me what I need to say and Lord, help me to say everything you want said and nothing else. Thank you for this pastor, for his faithfulness, his testimony, his dedication, his family. Lord, I'm just thrilled, Lord, that as I get to travel the country to meet choice men of God like Brother Brooks and his family and how you're using them. Bless this place. Do great and amazing things is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to notice some things this evening. And if I could give a title for this, I want you to notice in verse number eight, Abraham is troubled and God comes to him and says, you're going to have a son and Abraham, God says, what's wrong with you, Abraham? And Abraham says, I want a son. And God says, you're going to have a son. And verse number eight, he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Can I put that in layman's terms for you and me? He's saying, God, I know you're there. I know you've promised to take care of me. I know you've promised to work in my problem. But could you give me some assurance that you're going to work? Could you give me some affirmation that that this is going to be okay. And using that verse, and I want to use these verses tonight in my message, I want to preach on this thought, assurance in the midst of adversity. Assurance in the midst of adversity. And I want you to notice, jumping straight into the outline tonight, number one, I want you to notice the concern that we find here in the life of Abraham, the concern. Notice in verse number two, Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And verse number three, Abraham said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And again, in verse number eight, he's wanting to know how God is going to work in his situation. And so may I say that the greatest adversity and concern of Abraham is not what's going on in Lot's life or not what went on in Lot with the uh, partaking of Sodom and or the war and, and, and all the other things that we could look at. But Abraham said, God, my greatest concern is this. I want a son. Now notice back in verse number one. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram. May I say to you and I, God knew Abram's concern before he ever expressed it. The first words to Abram was, you don't have to fear. I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to be your reward. Abraham, I'm going to take care of you. God knew the problem Abraham had before he ever expressed it. Can I challenge and encourage us tonight? God knows every problem in here as well. He knows every concern in here as well. Abraham, if you look in chapter number 14, Abraham has just come. I mentioned it this morning preaching from a great victory and over four nations and over Chedorlaomer, the greatest king of that time period. And yet, listen, most people would have thought Abraham to be on cloud nine, that he would be in a great mood. He got Lot back. He got his family back. He got encouraged by King Melchizedek. And, and listen, he defeated all those kings. And most people would think Abraham does not have a care in the world, that Abraham is doing just great. But may I say, Abraham had a great concern. And may I say to you and I tonight that you may fool a lot of people, but God knows the fear and the concern in every one of our hearts. And as we meet on Sunday, I've been a pastor long enough, a little over 20 years, and been on the road long enough, and been preaching 30 plus years now, and I can tell you it's easy to show up on Sunday morning, put a smile on our face, shake hands, make everyone think things are okay, when on the inside there's fear, there's panic, there's dread, there's problems, there's concern, there's trouble, but we put on a good show so everyone thinks we're all right. May I say, God seen the fear in Abraham's heart. God seen that he was concerned about some things and God shows up unrequested, unasked. And God says, Abraham, I know you, you think you're, uh, that you think that I'm not here and I'm not listening. But before Abraham ever calls out to God, God shows up and says, Abraham, fear not. 
Abraham is telling God in our text, he appreciates him being his reward. He appreciates him being his shield. He appreciates the fact God says, I'm gonna be your protector. But Abraham's saying, God, you don't understand. I'm thankful for these things. I'm thankful you took care of me in the battle. I'm thankful you took care of Lot. But God, I want a seed. I want a son. My heart's desire's not been met. You may be here today, and because you have a concern, doesn't mean you're not thankful for the blessings of God. God and the goodness of God but as we sat in church on Sunday night I'm telling you there's probably more fears and more concerns than we could ever imagine in this place I see a concern Nathan under my chair is my water bottle there son if you'd bring it to me I'd appreciate it notice not only the concern but notice secondly in verses 4 through 7 thank you I see a confirmation several of you said preacher I hope your throat holds up I've been preaching this way for 30 years. So far, it's not given out. But I've, uh, I've not had to preach. Uh, last Sunday, normally I preach. The more I preach, the easier it is for me to preach. And I didn't have to preach last Sunday because we was at home church for our son's graduation. And when I go about over a week not preaching, it gets just a little hoarse. But Lord willing, it'll stay strong and I'll get through this, amen. But I promise you, I'm not hurting a bit. It may hurt your ears, but it don't hurt me at all, all right? So notice not only the concern, but notice the confirmation. In verses 4 through 7, God says to Abraham, I know where you're at. I see your concern. Trust me, Abraham. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to have seed out of your loins. Listen, the word of the Lord took the concern away. The word of the Lord. And Abraham says in verse 8, what's going to be the affirmation? What's going to be the, how do I know this is going to happen? But God used his word to speak to Abraham. Can I ask us tonight, what does it take to bring assurance to you and I in our adversity? God in verse 7 reminds Abraham where he brought him from, where he saved him from. And God says to Abraham, if I can do that, I need you to trust me. I need you to understand that there is a reason and a purpose in what's going on. God's saying to him, I need you by simply my word to believe what I'm telling you. What's it take for you to have assurance in your adversity? I see the concern and the confirmation. Number three, I want you to notice the challenge this evening in verses nine and 10. In verse number eight, Abraham says, God, I believe you, I'm with you, but how are you going to do it? Now understand in this statement, Abraham's not doubting God. He's not disputing with God. He's not discouraged with God. He's just saying, God, how am I gonna know this is gonna come about? God says, here's what you're gonna do. If you want me to confirm this for you, if you want assurance in the midst of your problem, in the midst of your adversity. Preacher, do you ever take your jacket off preaching? Praise the Lord. I'm burning up. And I, I used to take mine off pastoring all the time. It come off three, uh, three times uh, on Sunday. Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. But since I've been on the road, I usually try to leave it on and don't want to offend no one, but that helps me out a lot. Amen? But I want you to notice how God says, here's what you're going to do. If you want affirmation, if you want confirmation, if you want to know what I'm going to do in your problem, then I need you to do something for me. And then God gives these verses about taking a heifer and taking the she-goat and how he's going to offer these sacrifices and how he's going to cut up his animals. And may I say to you and I, listen, the reason many times we get no assurance or help in the midst of our problems, in the midst of our adversity, is because we do not follow the commands that God has given us to get the help that we need. Listen, you're not going to have assurance. You're not going to have help. You're not going to have peace when you're not following what God said do. Amen. Abraham does what God says do. And I want you to remember, sacrifice was work. There wasn't no machines in that day. There wasn't, a, there wasn't no elect, electric saws and there wasn't no modern equipment. I'm, I'm sure out here, many of you know what it is to butcher a deer or a cow or a goat. And I'm telling you, that's work. And he had to sweat. He got blood on him. He had to labor to get those things done. And listen, the reason many of us get no help in the midst of our problems and adversity is that we've sat down on God and we're asking God to do everything and we're not even doing what he's told us. I'm amazed at how many people say, I need God's help. They're not even reading their Bible every day. They're not praying. Problems come in their life and the first thing they do is 
lay out a church. Listen to me tonight. You're not going to get help in your problem by ignoring the things God has said do to get help in your problem. You're just going to make it worse. God says, Abraham, I want to give you assurance. I want to help you, but I need you to do something for me. Notice not only the challenge, but notice in verses 11 and 12, I see the conflict. Abraham cuts these animals. He lays them where God says to lay them. There's blood, no doubt. There's the smell of death. He's done what God said do. Do you see that? In verses 11 and 12, and notice he does what God says do. Surely God's going to answer the minute I lay this last animal, the minute I cut this last bird, the minute I sprinkle the last of the blood, God's going to show up immediately. But that's not what happens. He's got these dead animals laying out in the wilderness in the hot sun. It's daytime. I'm in a place that understands what a hot sun is. I'm in a place that understands a hot sun and a dead animal is not a good combination. In a very short amount of time, smell comes. Carcasses get bloated. Blood starts stinking to, to, to high heaven. And this is where Abraham is at. And listen, he's, he's got to do some things. Notice, if he's going to see God work, he had to stay very aware of what was going on. Notice in his, the conflict that I'm talking about, he cuts his animals there's blood in the ravine he's done what God said do but there's distractions did you notice in verse 11 when the fowls came down upon the carcasses Abraham had to drive them away I got a new meaning of what this looked like more than likely these fowls would have been buzzards or vultures I was in Kenya in December and, and uh, we were on a reserve and, and uh, a fellow that uh, Brother Wood had led to the Lord took us on a safari that senators and presidents go on and what normally was around an eight to $10,000 safari, he did for us for a couple hundred dollars and, and we were on this huge reserve and uh, I'm, I love zoos but I'm ruined after being out there and seeing everything up close and remembering they're wild. But we, they, uh, the two lions had just made a kill. I think it was a gazelle if I remember correctly and, 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 they, and they, got, they radioed each other and here we go on this reserve just national forest, uh, national land to this kill and it's not been dead long. And the buzzards, I'm talking about vultures or buzzards, hundreds of them are flocking on it. And the hyenas are circling. And these two male lions are running the, the birds off. And finally, the lions get enough of the food that they just kind of back off. And you would, it's just, it was unreal to see the vultures come in on it. Here's these dead animals. The vultures, the buzzards are smelling it. They're coming too. The dead and the Bible says here they come. And listen, the hyenas, the hyenas didn't scare the vultures off. They ran the hyenas off. The lions come and the vultures would just fly a distance and come right back. I can't imagine the work and the labor that Abraham had to do to keep the birds off of these dead animals. Can I tell you, sometimes if you're going to get assurance, if God's going to speak in your, in your problem, in your adversity, there's going to be some distractions that you're going to have to overcome. I see the conflict of delay. In our text, it's daytime. God makes him wait all day. Did you notice that? It's not till night. In verse 17, it come to pass when the sun went down and it was dark. God makes him wait. Listen, here's my question. How patient are you in waiting on God in your adversity? If you're like me, I want it yesterday. I don't like problems. I don't like hurting. I don't like trouble. And if I, when I go to God, I want it done yesterday. God don't always work that way. And how patient are we? Abraham had the conflict, the distractions, delay. And then in verse number 12, the Bible said that when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram and a horror of great darkness fell upon him. Now that's different than the sleep. 
I don't know if that darkness entailed fear. I don't know if it was anxiety. But God said there's a horror, something fearful and scary comes up. You ever been serving God, trying to do right, and in the midst of your adversity, you've been begging God to help. You've been doing everything God said. And it's almost like there's a moment that you panic and you think everything's fixing to be taken away. That's where Abram's at. Everything's fixing to fall apart. Notice number five, the covenant. In verses 13 through 18, notice the covenant that comes because of the distractions, the delays, and the darkness. And because Abraham keeps pressing on and doesn't quit, notice what God does when Abraham's in this horrible darkness. Out of the darkness, God speaks. Out of the darkness, God shows up. And notice four things about this covenant, and I'm done. Notice, first of all, the promise in the covenant. In verses 13 through 16, God says to him, Abraham, you're going to have a seed, and he's going to, if you can number the stars, then you can number the seed that you're going to have. Abraham, I'm giving you a promise. Your desire's going to be fulfilled, but you've got to trust me. In verses 13 through 16, I see a prophecy. He assures Abraham he knows exactly what's going on. He gives the history of Israel in verses 13 through 16. He says that they're going to they're gonna wind up being servants. They're going to lose their flee to freedom. They're going to be in Egypt's bondage for 400 years. And then God's going to deliver him. All of that he gives. Why is he doing that? He's showing Abraham, look. I see way beyond what you see. I see way beyond your life and your problem and your adversity. Abraham, I know what's going to happen 400 years from now. I'm in control. Do you realize tonight God's still in control? I see the promise, the prophecy. Notice the picture. In verse number 17, here's what I wanted to get to. After God speaks to Abraham, after he makes him wait all day, experience delay, in verse 17, God walks in the midst of that challenge that he asked Abraham to perform. Now please watch, church. Had Abraham not done what God said do, God could not have manifested himself in the darkness of Abraham's life. Did you catch where God walked? In the midst of the animals that God gave Abraham before the darkness ever come, to cut up and to do. Many times the reason God does not show up in the midst of our adversity is because we've not done the things necessary for him to walk in our adversity in. Amen? Listen, uh, what are you saying? If you don't walk with God when there's light, if you don't walk with God and obey God when things are okay, if you don't obey God in the light, God cannot manifest himself in your darkness. The way God helped Abraham in his darkness was by walking through what Abraham had cut up and worked on in the light. Hey, look, you know what we're apt to do? Let's just be honest. I've pastored long enough, preached long enough. We've not been faithful to God. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. Then we find out we got cancer or one of our kids is going to die. I've been there with two of my kids. We didn't think one did die. God miraculously raised her up. Another one they said would never live. He got malaria, our oldest. They, we'd never seen a kid under two years old get malaria and live. And he was only a couple weeks old, born. And God raised him up. I'd been there. And some of the worst things that you could ever imagine. And I'm just saying, what well, we're not careful. Many times what Christians do, they're not prayed up. They've not read their Bible. They've not been faithful to God. They've not kept that personal relationship. And then the big problem comes. Oh, God, you got to help me. And we just open our Bible somewhere hoping we're going to get an answer. Lord, I'm just going to turn the picture and put my finger. Say, preacher, no one ever does that. Oh, you'd be shocked how many people I pastored admitted to that. And as a young Christian, I did that. And then the Bible don't say nothing. I did that one time. I learned real quick not to do that anymore, literally. I did that one time. I was praying. I was in Bible college young. And I was facing a situation. I said, God, and I was reading my Bible, but I just... 
said, okay, God, I'm just going to, in prayer time, I said, I'm just going to turn my Bible, put my finger on a verse, and whatever, whatever that says, that's going to be the answer. I'm not lying. I'm not evangelistically or elastically speaking. I prayed. I, I opened my Bible, put my finger on the verse, and it was right between the verse that talked about Judas hanging himself. <laughs> what thou doest, do quickly. Wow. Are y'all hearing me? I said, okay, God, you ain't speaking that way, and I'm not saying you can't speak that way. I'm sure there's been people God has spoke, but I'm saying if we're not careful, many times we'll want God to work, and we want God to show up in our darkness and our problems, but he, listen, God showed up in what Abraham had done before the darkness ever got there. Now, here's what I want you to see. God helped in his, Abraham in his darkness by walking through what Abraham had cut up and worked on in the light. And the way God is going to assure Abraham's heart is by using what Abraham had done before God ever got there. And the reason many people are not handling the distractions and the delays and the darkness is because they'll not obey what God says doing the light. And when God told Abraham to cut up those animals, he was instituting a covenant in the days of the Jews and Abraham. That was a common practice, what God's telling him to do. And what would happen is they would use a ravine and they would take the animals and they would cut them in half and they would lay each piece on each side of the ravine and each piece would touch the other piece and, and the birds, they, they would uh, lay undivided on each side and the blood from those sacrifices would run down that ravine and then the two covenant makers would join hand in hand and they would walk down from one end of the, the animals and the blood to the other and the blood would get on the, 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 the bottom of their coats and their clothes and, and listen in the the blood of the covenant sealed the bond and the covenant that was made between those two individuals. God, in the midst of this darkness, visibly shows up. Since the Garden of Eden, I can't find where he showed up from the Garden of Eden till now. But he doesn't show up uh, as God himself. He shows up in two forms. Did you notice it? A smoking furnace and a burning lamp. Why all of the symbols of all the things he could have showed up as? Why a smoking furnace and a burning lamp? This is God manifesting himself, showing Abraham, giving him the assurance he needs of all the things God showed up as. Why these? It had to be important because God don't do anything just to do it. And God makes sure that though Abraham in our text is in a deep sleep, he makes sure Abraham sees, hears, and remember what he's doing. That smoking furnace and burning lamp had to mean something to Abraham. Abraham had to know the significance of those things or God wouldn't have done them. God don't come to us and confuse us. God doesn't come to us to, to, to make things more foggy. God always gives clarity. In fact, confusion is not of God. He's not the author of confusion. So this smoking furnace and burning lamp had to mean something. What's the picture? Well, that, that furnace there, that's not a furnace like what the Hebrew boys was thrown in. The word furnace here was a fire pot. It looked like an inverted bowl. It was used for holding fire and cooking. And, and in Abraham's day and all through scripture, that furnace speaks of the instruction of God. That furnace speaks of uh, the God's instruction and guidance and direction many places in the word of God. So when Abraham sees that furnace going down that ravine, he knows immediately that God is saying, Abraham, I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to guide you. This is a process and a plan. I told you 400 years in advance, I know what's going on. I need you to trust me. But the Bible said that furnace is smoking. That furnace showed Abraham the instruction of God, but that smoking showed Abraham the, invis the invisibility of God. Normally when you see a lot of smoke, you don't see a fire. And where you see a lot of fire, you don't see a lot of smoke. That smoke represents and shows that God was there. You may not see him, but smoke is the evidence that he's near and all around. And we may have never seen God, and we haven't. But we've seen the evidence of him all around us, amen. 
And smoke speaks of many things in Scripture. If you remember on the mountain, God said there was smoke and that showed the presence of God. In the temple, God had smoke. for the, I could show you so many places in the Bible. But what I listen, uh, you say, preacher, I want to see God in my adversity. I want to see God in this problem. I want to see God in my church. I want to see God in my life. I want to see God doing this or that. Hey, quit looking for God and start looking for his evidence. Start looking for his instruction. Start looking for his smoke over and over Listen, listen, God shows us that we may not see him, but there's all kinds of evidence of him. A preacher, look at the economy. Look at who's in the White House. Look at gas prices. Look at inflation. Look at what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. Look what China made. Can I tell you, listen, I see there's all kinds of darkness. But if I look around, brother, I see all kinds of smoke. Personally, side note, now I started a little over 20 till, so I've not preached that long. I'll be done in just a second. Listen to me, y'all sing a long time, amen, and I like it, but give me just a few minutes and I'll be through, amen. Sing all you want, just don't cut the preaching short. You realize Ukraine and Europe is the equivalent of America as far as Christianity and sending missionaries and the work of God that's been going on in Russia and China and many other places. You think it's accidental that Putin... I believe a servant of Satan attacked Ukraine of all places. He's trying to destroy what God's doing over in Europe right now. Hey, listen, you may see problem. I see the hand of God. When the devil fights that hard, it lets me know God's doing a great work. And I'm telling you, in every situation, you may see problems and trouble. You may see your darkness, but I'm telling you, look for the smoke. You may not see God, but I promise you, the evidence of God's instruction and God's invisibility will be there. I've never seen wind, but I've seen the fruit of wind. I've seen the the product of wind. I've seen what wind can do. I've never seen God, but I've seen what my God can do. God said, Abraham, you don't need to see me. What you need to see is a smoking left furnace, a smoking furnace. You need to see I'm invisible. And though I'm invisible, I'm still guiding and instructing you. But notice, it's not only a, a, a smoking furnace, but notice he said it was a smoking furnace and... A burning lamp. Well, lamp in the Word of God, most of you know, is, is the illumination of God. The lamp is the Word of God all through Scripture. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. All through Scripture, 2 Peter 1.19, Old Testament, New Testament. God says, Abraham, what he's saying to him with these symbols is you don't understand where you're at. I know you're in a dark place. I know you're in a deep sleep has come over you. I know I delayed what I've done. I know you may not understand, my, but my word is all you need to make it through the darkness. Can I tell you tonight, what we need to make it through our problems is not a bunch of words. It's just a word from God, not a word from a preacher. And though preachers give the word of God, we need the words of God. One word from God will do more to solve all your problems. And the very thing we need, we're leaving out of our life. We don't need more YouTube videos. We don't need more this or that. We need more of God's words. It's amazing when you get to study in the Word of God, just one word from God can do more than all the sentences, paragraphs, and speeches could ever do. Demon-possessed man, that Gadarenean maniac, a new dude in a rude mood, comes to Jesus. And the demons show up and say, Lord, we, if you'll just let us, we'll leave the guy, but just let us go in the swine. Jesus don't have to say a paragraph. Jesus don't have to say 15 sentences. He says one word, go, and a demon-possessed man who's been chained in prisons, in, 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 in caves, and in graveyards, stuck on a mountain by himself, rejected by society. One word from Christ, go, and that same demon-possessed man is delivered, sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. I'm saying what we need for our problems is just a word from God. 
I think about Peter and those apostles out on the ship. Storms come. Peter gets scared. They think Christ is a ghost. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, I'm scared. I'm troubled in the storm. Just bid me come. Jesus didn't have to say a paragraph. Jesus didn't say 15 words. Jesus said, come. And that one word from God was enough to allow a man that had done nothing but fall on his face to walk on water in the midst of the storm and do what no one else has ever done. I'm saying to you and I, child of God, we don't need a lot of man's words we need God's word God's word will get the job done that's what God's showing him I think of John 20 that resurrection morning Jesus has died Mary's come to the garden the cemetery Mary's looking around she sees someone and supposing him to be a gardener the Bible said she goes to him and says, tell me where you've taken him so I can go to him. Here's a woman depressed, down, in fear, discouraged, thinking the world's come to an end. Jesus don't say a speech. He don't give five paragraphs. He don't give five sentences. Jesus has one word, Mary. And the burden of her heart and the trouble that she had went away. I'm just saying one word from God was enough to bring peace to her soul and one word from God directly to you will take care of every problem you've got. Amen. He's that lamp. He's that word. What we need in our day is a word from God. But notice that lamp. That See, listen, that lamp, it's burning. That lamp is the illumination of God, but that Burning shows us the immutability of God. What do you mean immutability? That's just a fancy word that means he don't change. You realize fire changes everything it touches? Fire cannot touch anything and not change it. But you understand no matter what it touches, at the end of the day it'll still be fire? (laughs) It was fire 2,000 years ago and it's still fire today. A fire may be hotter or it may be, it may be not as hot. It may be blue, it may be orange, it may be white, it may be a flicker, it may burn bright, it may barely roll or it may be a huge bonfire. But at the end of the day, fire is still fire. Nothing can ever change it, but it changes everything, amen. Fire, fire 6,000 years ago is still fire today. Now God's saying, Abraham, I told you Israel's gonna change. They're gonna go from nobody to a great nation to free, to bondage, to being free again. Abraham, Israel's going to change. You're going to change. Circumstances going to change. Freedom's going to change. But I do not change. May I say, he's saying, you don't have to worry, Abraham, because I'm God and I change not. Can I tell you, church, in 2022, in the midst of all the concern and all the fear and all the problems, my God has not changed. His book has not changed. His promises has not changed. I can trust that assurance will come in my problem because the same God of yesterday is the same God of today and the same God of today will be the same God tomorrow. He don't change. He is a smoking furnace. He is a burning lamp and Abraham got that. Notice in this covenant, lastly, the person in verse number 18 In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Under thy seed have I given this land. From the river Egypt, under the great river, the river Euphrates. Now notice, I told you that this is a very common covenant of that day, and two people were supposed to walk down the middle of that ravine by joining hands. You know what God does, Pastor? God says, Abraham, to show you how merciful I am, how gracious I am, how powerful I am, how great I am, how loving I am, Here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make a covenant with you, and it ain't going to depend on you at all. (laughs) Hallelujah. If the covenant depended on me and you, we'd be in a mess. So God said, Abraham, you're going to blow it. As a matter of fact, in the next chapter, he does blow it. 
And it don't affect God at all because God says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a promise and everything's going to be okay and I'm going to represent myself in this covenant. That's why he shows up in two forms, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. It took two to make that covenant. You say, preacher, why? Hebrews 6.18 explains what God did right here. In Hebrews 6.18, the Bible said that by two immutable things to which it was impossible for God to lie or for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. You want to know what those two immutable things was? God cannot lie. God said, I'm going to be the smoking furnace. I'm going to be the burning lamp. I'm going to walk down both sides. And that means, Abraham, you're secure. Isaac's coming. The nation's coming. The promise is coming. And it don't depend on you. That's why God wasn't shook up. God knew exactly what was going to happen. That's why Genesis 16 doesn't affect God at all. Because the covenant was based on God. I'm glad this night I could preach right here, but I'm done. I'm telling you, I'm glad my salvation was made with a covenant of two immutable things that God could not lie. If I had anything to do with my salvation, I'd lose it every day of my life. I'd lose it driving in traffic. I'd lose it when I got mad at people. I'd lose it, listen, I'd lose it in the, in the, in the, the mind battle that I have. But I'm glad my salvation ain't based on me, brother. It's based on Jesus. Jesus Christ and God the Father and just for good measure God said I'm going to add a third one I'm going to put the Holy Ghost in you and I'm going to seal him until the day of redemption I'm glad my salvation's secure I'm glad that scripture's secure I don't trust I don't use that King James Bible because of what men did I did it because God made a promise to preserve his word and he's done that my scripture is secure my salvation's secure my standing is secure when I go to God in prayer the devil comes to you and says you can't pray look what you said look what you did look how you failed can I tell you none of us are worthy to pray none of us are ever good enough when I come to pray I'm coming to pray because I can say Father and I have the immutable righteousness of Jesus Christ the Bible termed the propitiated righteousness of Jesus Christ when God sees me he don't see Brian Treadway he sees Jesus Christ that's why I can say father and he says I'm listening that's why I can say I need help and he says I hear you I'm saying tonight the promises of God are secure our salvation our standing thank God the scripture everything about our life one day he's coming back how do you know because he made a covenant with himself and he cannot lie I'm just saying this evening God the smoking furnace and God the burning lamp walked right down the middle of that ravine and gave assurance to a man that needed it. Amen. What do you need tonight? What assurance do you need? What help do you need? Hey, I've been in this thing long enough. I'm telling you, God's people everywhere I go, don't matter I was on the West Coast a little over a month ago, East Coast, everywhere in between. I'm going to tell you, now I'm not a big preacher. I still got a lot of dates to fill, need a lot of help. I'm just telling you, I don't say that to brag on me. I just simply say everywhere I go, if there's one common denominator, God's people are hurting. And I believe one of the reasons we're hurting is because darkness has fell on a lot of us. And we know God's there and we know he's promised to help, but we don't seem to be getting it. I want to ask you tonight, are you doing the things right now in your darkness so God can show up in it? Don't quit on God. Preacher, every time you read the Bible, do you just get overjoyed? No. Many times it's black ink on white pages. I go to pray sometimes, and it's like it's just like my prayers hit the ceiling and bounce right back down. Say, so what do you do? I just keep praying. I just keep reading. Hey, my biggest meal in our house is Thanksgiving. Man, I love it. That's the biggest meal in the Treadway house. We go all out Thanksgiving. Christmas, we got too many kids, too many toys. To, we're up late. It's just too, it's, it's a rat race. Chinese don't celebrate it, and we thank God for it, so we get Chinese every Christmas. Makes it real easy. Take out. Amen. Thanksgiving, my wife cooks three days in advance. We have an ungodly amount of pumpkin pies. I think last year was 10, 10 pumpkin pies, uh, chocolate walnut pie, I forget, pecan pie. Yeah, cornbread dressing. I ain't talking about none of that bag stuff. I'm talking about homemade cornbread, buttermilk with bacon grease in it, white cornmeal dressing, 
three turkeys, two smoked and one regular. I'm talking about we go all out, cranberry salad, mashed potatoes, baked macaron, making y'all hungry, ain't I? Hey, Amen. Listen to me. Listen, we go all out. Man, we enjoy it. But you know, every day ain't a Thanksgiving meal. Man, I preacher took us out today and I so appreciate it. My teenager eats a lot and it's expensive. Thank God he relieved that burden a little bit. Listen to me. You know what? We ate good today. But sometimes it's a peanut butter sandwich. Sometimes it's a cup of noodles with hot water in it. Kids are spoiled. We had the bag raw men and we had to put them in the pot and cook the things. Now you just put water in them, amen. Y'all got it good. It ain't always Thanksgiving. But that peanut butter sandwich, those ramen noodles will do just as much to keep me going as that Thanksgiving meal. It just may not be as enjoyable. Do you understand what I'm telling you today? Every service ain't going to be high. Every time a preacher preaches, you ain't going to feel goosebumps and let glory come down. Sometimes it's just going to be a good message. It's going to be a good service. Sometimes you're going to feel like, why did I come to church? Why did I go through the motions? Why did I read my Bible? Why did I pray? I'm going to tell you why. Because there's going to be darkness coming in your life. There's going to be problems coming in your life. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll just be faithful, what's going to happen? Somewhere in that black ink and white paper, God's going to show up. Somewhere in that very mundane prayer time, the Holy Ghost is going to show up. God's going to speak to you and God's going to give you a word. It may not be a paragraph. It may not be a sentence. It'll just be a word. But it'll be enough to keep you going to the next time. Every message ain't going to affect you the same way. It may just be a word or a sentence or a statement or a point. But if you just keep coming and just keep being faithful and just keep listening, I promise you, God will show up and give you assurance. So I want to ask you tonight, what assurance do you need? What concern do you have? God's promised to take care of us, church. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I just come by to be an encouragement. I want to ask you tonight, listen, I've, passed, I've got a pastor's heart. When I see people, I think like a pastor. And there's no telling the burdens, the problems, the struggles, the difficulties. You don't know mine. I don't know yours, but God does. You know what God's saying before you ever say anything? Fear not. I wonder how many tonight say, Preacher, I'm right where you preached. I'm saved. I love Jesus. But I got a concern just like Abraham. I got some things in my life maybe anyone, no one else even knows about. I'm not going to pull you out of your chair, but you say, Preacher, God, I'm right where you preached. Would you just slip your hand up? God bless you. God bless you. God, hands up all over. Could you do this tonight? God wants to give you assurance. Maybe you're not in the darkness yet. Maybe you need to come and say, God, while everything's good, help me to stay faithful. Help me to do what I'm supposed to do. Help me to sacrifice. Help me to cut the animals. Help me to work. Help me to be faithful because, God, when the darkness comes, I need you to walk in it. Whatever you need, would you just slip out of your pew, come to the altar tonight? God spoke to your heart. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I got good news for you. He wants to save you on a Sunday night. If you're willing to believe that he died on the cross for your sin, rose again, he'll save you. Some are coming. Would you just slip out and come on and say, God, I need assurance. I don't know what's troubling you. I don't know what concern you come with. But I promise you, God knew about it before you did. Before you ever have the question, God's already got the answer. And before you ever know there's a problem, he's already got the solution. Why don't you let him? Some are still coming. Would you just slip out and come on a Sunday night? Again, you say, preacher, honestly, I'm good. Ask God to help you stay that way. Because I promise you, when God shows up in your problem, He's going to use what you've been doing in the light and in the daytime. Father, I pray for all the hands that went up. Give the pastor wisdom. Use the message. Thank you for your grace and your goodness now. Lord, please touch every hand. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the liberty to preach in Jesus' name.